Hey everyone, David here from Bridge with the No Code and Code podcast, where we talk about scaling no code stacks, migrating the foundation to code, and reintegrating no code into code. Today we have Jason Barone on. Jason is one of my longtime friends from about six years ago, and he was basically the top Squarespace specialist. Uber came in and hired him to help wrangle their thousand Squarespace websites. You heard that right. They had a thousand individual Squarespace websites, one for each city, and Jason single-handedly wrangled them into one template and then migrated that to code. Um, Uber hired him to join their team as a design engineer, and he's going to tell us a little bit about that story. So before we dive in here, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Content Allies. Content Allies is who enables my team and I at Bridge to broadcast our message further by helping us with podcast production, articles, and social content. So if you'd like to expand the reach of your message, visit contentallies.com. Now, let's dive in with Jason. Jason, glad to have you on today. What's up, man? How's it going? It's going. Can't wait to uh, (laughs) have you share your your stories here on NoCode. especially amped for this because I mean, you've been doing this since like 2013. I feel like kind of like no code building before it's been even a term and um, probably even sooner than that, I think. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, do you want to just kind of go through like the, the two minute intro for you and then, um, and then yeah, just start talking about how you're building square front. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um yeah, no, thanks for having me. Uh, my background, I kind of, I'm more of like a multidisciplinary designer, engineer, content strategist. I sort of walk, work across that sort of entire brand and product development lifecycle. Um, obviously, I have like strengths at certain points, but um, I, I kind of find myself these days almost doing a little bit of everything. Um, recently, so I just got off of a like five and a half year run with Uber, uh, between San Francisco and New York there. I kind of worked on our uh, web platform team and the design platform team, just kind of working on systems, platforms, uh, that relate to design web and publishing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, before that, geez, like where, where do you want me to start? I mean, I could, uh, before that I was kind of a little bit of an entrepreneur trying to, you know, just kind of build websites. I was into web design, um, found myself early on because I didn't have really any technical expertise. You know, it's well, just very little, um, especially with regards to design development and things like that. You kind of find yourself uh, seeking out no-code tools, even back in you know 2005 or so. You know, tools that help you do things because they just don't exist. So that's how I got my my start originally, just building WordPress templates, uh, Squarespace templates, things like that. Um, eventually, you know, I tried to turn that into a web design business and, you know, it took a while, but eventually, you know, I started kind of getting some, you know, sort of, uh, client base, uh, which was pretty cool. That led to my work with Uber and then ultimately Uber hired me because of a project, uh, we worked on. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at now. I think, uh, currently, uh, right now I do a little bit more freelance, uh, doing some gigs, and um, I'm trying to kind of pivot more to uh, more artistic things. Uh, not to say that uh, designing code is not artistic, but I'm trying to kind of move more towards blending uh, the skills that I have now with, you know, music, data, film, and do things that are more artistic. So, yeah, that's kind of a little bit about me. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, with with for the audience who, who doesn't know Jason, also, so Jason basically became like the top 
designer in Squarespace, like the top freelancer. So if, uh, I mean, Squarespace sites are still hot. There's this point where they're, they're just kind of booming and becoming super popular, sort of like no code is today. And Jason like branded himself out as the, basically the top freelancer. And was when I, I had a Squarespace agency at one point too. And I remember seeing Jason everywhere. And it was like, if you're the model for success, if you're in like the Squarespace arena was, was Jason Barone. <laughs> He's uh, oh, thanks, king man. of Squarespace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, that was definitely interesting. I mean, I think kind of, if, if, if I go back to that time period, so, you know, when I first discovered Squarespace, it was kind of out of necessity to, to find something to build client sites on. So previously, you know, when you get into web design, you know, back in early two thousands, you find, you know, those kind of old school, I call them old school platforms like WordPress, Drupal, uh, Drupal, Joomla. And, you know, they're cool, but they're a little complex and clients don't like them. Uh, oftentimes they're really hard to maintain. So, you know, I had a lot of issues. I even told this story uh, once at Squarespace headquarters uh, when I kind of spoke you know, a couple years ago, just about like, you know, web design and things like that. And uh, I used this slide to kind of paint the picture that like maintenance was such a pain with every platform that I used, you know, and primarily it was WordPress. And it really, you know, got to this point where one time I woke up and I had like a dozen client sites just redirecting to spam sites, mainly because like there was like a database exploit uh, on some, you know, that only affected my particular host at the time. And, you know, ultimately the, the problem was clients were angry because their sites were down or they were redirecting and it all fell back on me to like to fix this stuff. So that was kind of a turning point for me where I was like, man, like I'm trying to do too many technical things all at once. There's got to be a company that has solved this in some way. Like I'm going to try to find that company. And I just kind of went on this search to find, you know, at the time I called it managed hosting. I didn't really know what the term was, but I, I was like, I want someone to just like handle the technical part. And, uh, and that's what I started looking for. So you know, I think there was a couple WordPress services at the time that were doing like managed WordPress installations. But uh, ultimately, I discovered Squarespace around that time. And I was like, Oh, man, this is kind of cool. Like the tools are a little bit better. Um, you know, their branding was pretty cool at the time. This was back in like, you know, 07, maybe 06, something like that. Um, I ultimately, I didn't start using them right away. Kind of, it took me a little while because I had I experimented them uh, with them for a long time. But eventually I was like, man, like this Squarespace, there's something here. This company seems pretty cool. I started reaching out to some of the people on the product team. This was early on when Squarespace had like 50 employees or something. Like, you know, you know, it's, you know, it's early on with a company when you look at the about page and there's headshots of the entire team. Like that's pretty much where we were at. So I was like, all right, cool. Let me, let me like kind of see if I can maybe pull Squarespace's uh, in as like a, uh, a partner in some way. And ultimately that just meant me building sites on Squarespace and just getting really good with it. Uh, yeah. and, it and it turned out really good. So like I ended up just doing, you know, basic, really basic websites using Squarespace's built-in tools. Um, and clients were happy and it was so much easier to maintain because, you know, Squarespace kind of handles all those technical details for you and you just have to pay a subscription and use the tools. Um, so that was kind of cool. That was kind of my, my first approach, um, getting back to your, your question or, or, you know, your, your intro there about, um, becoming the expert. What I noticed was, you know, at the time, you know, keep in mind, I'm still not very technical. You just, you're, I'm kind of picking up things as I go and it's, you know, it's going okay. 
but you're not really learning a ton of technical knowledge. So it's, it's very incremental progress over time. So what I ended up getting frustrated with was my inability to be able to do customizations above Squarespace. I was like, man, this, you know, there's nothing that exists on the web. There's no really great forum. There's no good websites. You know, there's no blog that you can go to that that just has like Squarespace tips and things like that. So it really got irritating where, you know, I was, I was doing so much work with Squarespace and investing so much time to try to learn the platform that in my head, and, and it was probably true, you know, according to your feedback and a lot of others that like, I was probably the most knowledgeable person at the time outside of like Squarespace's own company. Um, which was kind of cool, more knowledgeable than they were in a lot of instances too. I I think so. I mean, it it depends on who it was for sure. But I think like I was getting, obviously like with my, my experience being more on the side of clients, I was getting really good with how to use Squarespace for client sites, you know, and how to like, how to do billing for customers and, you know, how to manage or or build like maybe a little service. So I was doing just a a heavy amount of work, learning how to use the uh, platform effectively with like, you know, it wasn't a lot of clients, but it was like maybe a dozen at first and then it turned into like two dozen or so. And, um, yeah. And I think I just had, there was this kind of point of clarity where it's like, man, this doesn't exist. Um, maybe I should just like double down and, and start reaching out to people and, and trying to kind of build the community up, uh, organically. And that's what I did. I ended up like reaching out uh, to people over their, they had built in forums at the time, um, I went on Twitter. Twitter was still pretty new. Can you remember what the the year was when I really went into Twitter? But I was just like answering random people's questions. Um, so was this you know, responding? Was this like is this building the professional community? Like they didn't even have like an experts, uh, the specialist directory when you were started. Yeah, at the at the time. So I, I started really? working with Squarespace. This was probably. 0708, I think is really when I started saying like, all right, I'm just going to build Squarespace sites. So 0708 for Squarespace, this was back on their platform, uh, you know, their major version uh, five. So five, I, I can't remember when it came out. It might've been like 2006. So five was pretty good. Like most of you who maybe have used Squarespace now, uh, it's on version 7.1 and it's like much, much different. Like it was a, almost a totally different product back then. So at the time, yeah, there wasn't really a, there was an experts marketplace. There wasn't really um, a great forum. You know, at at the time, actually Squarespace had a built-in forum for the platform. You could just build a forum right within your website and their community forum was built on that. So it really wasn't like amazing. It was just kind of a small forum that was attached to their support website. Other than that, there was no community or expert initiatives at all. So really it was like, it was kind of a new thing, you know, to, to kind of connect with designers and developers. So that's why I kind of decided, Hey, if this doesn't exist, like, let me be helpful. Let me like answer questions and, and kind of, you know, I, I don't think I had intentions to kind of like be the top guy, but I think I was being helpful because I was trying to learn things. So I was asking other people, they were sharing things. I was commenting. So it was just kind of that like organic community uh, that I needed myself. And what ended up happening is that, um, a lot of people started coming to me, you know, just, it, it almost felt like it happened overnight, but it really didn't. It was probably over the course of a year or two, but you know, I was the, the one constantly contributing over, uh, Twitter, their community forum. I got into a website called Quora, uh, which is the social network based around Q and a, uh, right mm-hmm. after they launched, I, I invested in just like answering questions, uh, anything that came up with Squarespace, um, pretty much every social channel I could think of. I created a, uh, LinkedIn group. I took over the Squarespace subreddit. 
you know, so basically just, I just tried to kind of grab anyone, uh, wherever they were asking Squarespace questions. And I think like, uh, yeah, it ended up building a little bit of a brand for me, you know, and, and people came to me and I, I ended yeah. up getting a lot of work. Whereas previously my work was coming from referrals. I then started getting referral from SEO traffic and people, customers that were going into the forum, finding my content and then reaching out. Uh, and it worked, it really worked pretty well, uh, early on. It's, it's kind of fun too. Yeah. I remember everywhere I'd see it'd be like Jason Barone. It was like, it was almost, I remember with, uh, Brendan, one of the guys on my team that we would kind of joke about it and be like, like Jason's dominated this channel for sure. Like we can't, can't do our marketing here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so funny it's really, though. You, you could have, I don't, I don't, I mean, yeah, it, yeah. it would have probably just made the channel even larger, but yeah, that's, that's funny. for sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the the thing that was interesting then too, is that you, you built Squarefront, which was designed for the whole professional community and then also like power users as well. Right. Like you, which, which was, uh, I mean, you built on the Squarespace platform and that was designed to be like an entire professional community and like a product in itself that you were, you were hoping to just, uh, basically funnel all your time into that. Right. Yeah. I think what, what ended up happening was, you know, I had, there was a couple years where I was just doing client work. And I think like, you know, I guess it, like going back to my timeline, I think I, I really started with Squarespace around 08. I think that's when I, I went kind of all in. And then, you know, I had a couple years of just doing constant client work and, and that was pretty good. And I think it just got to the point where this community thing was kind of growing and I, and I clearly saw a need for it. You know, I was getting so many inquiries uh, per day where people were reaching out directly, asking me, you know, things about this, uh, helping them with their website, clarifying things that I posted somewhere. And it really got to the point where I was like, man, I kind of want to put this on a website in some way. Uh, it it seems like it would be helpful. Maybe it'd be a cool side project. And, and previously, like I've done a lot of, you know, I've, I've experimented with, you know, a lot of these like kind of marketing driven projects where it's like, you know, affiliate link websites or content based websites. You know, I think like early on, um, I kind of had, had ambitions to build some sort of a business, but you don't really know like what that is. So you just try different things, you know, e-commerce stores and and things like that. Ultimately I went the the web design route. So I, I did have a little bit of experience, uh, in terms of building something, I just never had successfully done anything. So I decided to give it another go, but to kind of tailor it to Squarespace, you know, let me take all of this knowledge that I'm kind of collecting and let me just collect it into this one single website. And then hopefully, you know, try to monetize off of affiliate links. So, you know, at the time, um, Squarespace had an affiliate program that actually paid pretty well. It was like, you know, it was like 50 bucks to sign up for like a, a, a trial and like 150 for a year sign up. So I was like, wow, you know, that's actually pretty good for an affiliate program. And if, if I can just get top of funnel traffic, you know, through good content, people will find me before they go to Squarespace. And if I can prompt the sign up, it's like, boom, you know, like this, this could be a nice little, um, side project. So that's what I started working on. And I, I, I think I started Squarefront you know, its first form was like a really basic blog and that was 2012 or so. And I ended up just putting like simple articles on there. It was things like, um, you know, 10 tips for using Squarespace or, you know, the best templates of 20, you know, 11 or something like that. It was just kind of like interesting content that would be beneficial to those, those users. And I think the goal Mm -hmm. was to eventually like build that out into something, uh, and become, you know, the top place for, for Squarespace content. And, and I just continued to kind of develop that over time. And eventually 
I, I kind of, you know, it's, it's hard doing it too, because you know, like when you're trying to do client work and you're building a side project, you know, it's, it's just, it's pretty easy, like pretty, pretty simple to think about the more you yeah. work on the startup, the less client work you're doing, the less money you're making. So it's kind yeah. of like for the, for a couple years there, I was just kind of balancing it, you know, as best I could where keeping the client work consistent and then free time, you know, spend on this like square front thing. And, um, it really wasn't moving fast. You know, it was kind of like incremental progress. And then one of the worst parts was, you know, a couple months after I launched the first MVP, which made, you know, a couple hundred bucks per month for a couple months. Uh, again, this was like 2012 Squarespace killed the affiliate program and they just, they just like got rid of it all, all of a sudden. And it literally changed my entire thinking about what to do for this website because originally it was based on Squarespace affiliate programs and that's it. So get top of funnel traffic, and then, you know, and, and that'll sustain the, the website. Uh, them killing that program was super frustrating. I remember even posting, posting that on the forums. And um, it, it just made me kind of take a step back and go, okay, well, I can't really do this for no money at all. Like, and commit all this time, do no client work, and then build this thing. So let me kind of rethink it a little bit and, and step back. So um, I think I let the site go, or maybe I turned it into... I, th- I think I might have just like left it as is. And I decided... Let me do client work, rethink kind of how to really do this and then maybe relaunch it, you know, in a year or something like that. Uh, so that's what I started working on. I decided, okay, you know, my, my Squarespace clout, I guess you'd call it, is getting pretty good. You know, I, I'm generating a lot of incoming interest from, you know, designers, developers, people that just need help. Yeah. What can I, what can I do that, you know, can I build something that really kind of serves them? You know, it's, it, it, you know, becomes the community piece that's really missing in the Squarespace industry. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's what I did. I ended up coming back and just kind of creating this like master plan to figure out like, you know, how, all right, how can we build something that's useful? That's maybe membership driven, you know, what types of content should be on there, you know, plugins, articles. Uh, I kind of just hashed out this you know, pretty extensive architecture for how this product would be. And, and I think that's kind of the key for me is I really wanted it to be a product and not just some blog, you know, cause I think like mm-hmm. blogs, blogs are everywhere. You know, they're, they're just, it's, it was so annoying back then that everyone was starting just a simple little blog and they were doing very low quality content. Uh, there were starting to be some that were popping up for Squarespace and they were just not good. I mean, it was just crummy content that was being reposted from Squarespace's own blog, nothing really of value. And, and that's why I really decided like, I'm going to build something super cool and really kind of like attack it as more of a startup. And, mm-hmm. and that's when I really started getting serious about it. And this was back in, I think it was 2014 was when I really started thinking about like this, uh, this sort of new iteration of Squarefront that, that was going to be more of like a, a, a legit startup. Like I think my ambitions were to build something like uh, Skillshare kind of paired mm-hmm. with, I don't know if anyone's listening has ever heard of like Cody house or CoDrops, but these are like HTML and CSS blogs that have a lot of content that are super useful, really high quality stuff. I kind of wanted to create that for Squarespace, like a place where you could get um, pretty much anything you needed to build Squarespace websites. So tutorials, guides, plugins, you know, code snippets, you know, what are recommended tools, you know, all of this kind of tied into one place and the business model was basically to create a lot of free content and to have kind of links that would like, you know, basically like show someone how to do something for free. And then if you want to buy a plugin that does this automatically, you know, click here and you can buy it or, 
you know, here's a guide on how to build a real estate website, you know, a kind of a general overview. If you want to go deeper, well, here's a course, you know, on, on that whole thing, click here. So I kind of had this kind of native upsell sort of built into the platform. And that's why it was like such an extensive project uh, that took, you know, I think it took me a good probably year and a half uh, or so to, to, to really like get something together. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. The, whole platform. I remember we signed up for it and, um, my, my team and I at, at my web agency and, um, yeah, I mean, it was, the design was incredible. The amount of areas that areas of resources. And, um, I mean, it, I almost feel like it was kind of like, I almost feel, feel like it was kind of like maker pad, but just like for Squarespace in a way, like interesting. Yeah. Yeah. A, a little bit probably isn't like too close of a, too close yeah, no. of a similarity, but, but Similar like pieces with like here's here's how to build stuff here's like like the community sector um, here are other tools you should check out but um but yeah what so what made you pick um, Squarespace to build on top of like why why Squarespace and like was there any other kind of tech that you had built there Yeah interesting so this kind of goes back to you know keep in mind I guess where I'm where I'm at currently like you know in the middle of this this kind of like timeline yeah, yeah. here like i'm like fully invested in squarespace like i was <laughs> obsessed with it and, and and i think like as i started building the community out and becoming like this kind of like so-called top expert in in squarespace i really got this like extreme love for the platform where uh at that time i was already brand loyal you know it was like if i was going to build something it was going to be on squarespace and if the project didn't quite work with it then i wasn't even interested in the project so i, I was like refusing all client work that was either Squarespace or Shopify because at the time Squarespace didn't have e-commerce. Uh, eventually they added that later. So yeah, when I was, I was already invested in it for client work. I loved it. I like, I loved the company. And then I started building Squarefront and part of me wanted to build, build Squarefront uh, at a high level because Squarespace's own brand was, was at such a high level. You know, so like, I guess there's kind of two parts to this. On one hand, I wanted to use when you Squarespace say high level, you mean like you mean like high design level, high sophistication level. Yeah, yeah. Like if if anyone knows uh, or uses Squarespace, you pretty much know that like the presentation of their company, like from their website to the product itself, is always like super highly polished, and it, it always has been. Like they just spend uh, a lot of time. It's it feels like a des- very design led company for for almost everything they do. So. They, their company was already a great brand and very like design forward. So my thought was, okay, I don't want to just build any old thing and, and not really, you know, not really be taken seriously uh, because it's just like a mediocre design. Like I really put a lot of effort into like, how do I build something that would be similar to if Squarespace built it themselves, you know, and, and I got to get the, get the design up, uh, up to that level. So that, that was always my thinking back then when I started building Squarefront. And also part of that, you know, not only that I wanted to build it in a really, you know, nicely designed way, I wanted to use Squarespace specifically because I, I thought it was disingenuous to build a Squarespace community where you're raving about how great this platform is. And then you go and just put it on WordPress or some, something because of a, a restriction and I actually saw at the time there was a few people that were doing just that, you know, Squarespace random yeah. blogs and code tips, or even Squarespace agencies and developers would not have their own website on Squarespace. They would go build it on WordPress or some other platform. And to me, I think that was just like, 
it just wasn't the right path for me. So like, I, I think for, I guess you like consider that more of like, uh, my, my connection to Squarespace, uh, caused me to just specifically stick to Squarespace and that was it. Um, I used, you know, some tools to kind of, uh, to add features and customizations, but overall, yeah, I mean, specifically it was, it was picked for that. It's just all Squarespace end to end. You didn't use like, like Zapier or custom code, any, any bits for it or try to try to capture subscriptions with any third party tool. Yeah. So, at, so at the time, uh, this was, you know, 2014 or 2015, you know, while, while I was building it, I did add uh, some customization. So I guess for one, you know, I guess this speaks to the whole kind of no code, uh, platform or, uh, the no code web space. You know, you can do a lot with the built-in tools, you know, you can do a, mm-hmm. a huge amount, but eventually you get to a point where you just, you hit the limits of that platform and you need to go a little bit above and beyond. So for Squarespace, you know, that's usually in the form of HTML, CSS, JavaScript customizations, like on top of your site. Um, so, so I was using some of those to, to do new features. Also, Squarespace launched a development platform, which allowed you to really kind of build a custom template using a lot of their, uh, their platform components. Uh, and that was kind of cool too, because it, it gave you a lot more freedom, but the user interface was still pretty good. You know, like, and someone could go in, like, let's say if I hired someone, they could go right in and manage the content without any issue. So I was using some uh, code customization. And then the other big thing you mentioned, it was like things like Zapier, you, you couldn't do a lot with Squarespace for a long time. Like they only had very basic integrations like MailChimp and some other things. So, uh, yeah, I, I tried to find ways. I, I even had a, a custom Zapier zap like way back before Squarespace launched their own uh, integration mm. to do things like, you know, I, I experimented with tons of things like trying to send, um, notification emails directly into Zapier and then sort of, uh, use Zapier's tools to transform that into a CSV. So I was doing a lot of these like weird trans, uh, integrations to try to, you know, basically kind of link things up. It wasn't great, but overall, you know, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Like it worked. I got to do a lot for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you basically just pushed like the Squarespace development, the Squarespace developer mode, where you were using custom code, you basically just push that to the limit. And like, so what was the end of the, uh, I mean, I know the end of the story, but for, for the audience, um, what was kind of the limit of th- that you saw where you were just totally locked in on like one no code platform, be it Squarespace in this instance? Yeah, I guess, well, what I will say is the problem with using something like Squarespace and going so heavy on customizations is that then you basically start when you go, you know, outside the boundaries, like I kind of, I don't really want to say it's the boundaries because they did have a development platform specifically for doing like custom stuff. But as soon as you sort of go into that territory, like outside the boundaries of the the standard product, it just becomes harder to maintain. It becomes uh, a little bit more buggy. You start exploring things that I'm sure Squarespace hasn't even found. That's why I had so many bug, bug reports that I sent to Squarespace. I mean, I was finding dozens of stuff of things that didn't make sense or things that weren't working. And uh, yeah, there, there is a bit of this feeling of vendor lock-in uh, eventually where you're just kind of like, did I make the right choice? I'm like, I'm now this far, you know, down the rabbit hole. Uh, what can I really do now? You know, a, a lot of the code that I, I wrote was specific to Squarespace. It was specific to their developer platform. So it actually wasn't transferable yeah. to any other platform. So I was yeah. kind of already locked in. And I think like 
one of the things I was trying to do, you know, and this is part of the reason why, uh, you know, I, I never could get it off the ground was I was trying to add membership functionality on top of Squarespace. And at the time it wasn't, it wasn't easy at all to do it the right way. You know, there's a lot of holes in a lot of these like membership apps where they're not very secure or the content needs to be put in a separate system. So I tried to kind of build a membership uh, functionality on top of Squarespace. And that's really where all the holes just kind of showed. It was just like, oh man, this is just not going to work at all. Like, you know, the users that logged in. It it was insecure, but it was also kind of like the user would authenticate to the site, but there wasn't a great way to like show them content that was inputted via Squarespace. Because I was trying to do all these kind of like hacky methods where um, everything that I inputted in Squarespace in terms of content, I wanted it to be in Squarespace. Like I didn't want to put it in like a separate service and then, you know, someone would have to kind of jump to a, you know, subdomain to get the content or, you know, some other method. So I kind of tried to do it as best as I could, uh, as I could at the time. And I was using Firebase, you know, Google's kind of, um, uh, database, uh, it's like a JavaScript library. You can basically super quickly add a database uh, to any website and add authentication. But the the key was making that work with the built-in content, uh, in a way that, that made sense. And it just was, it was a little above my head, but, you know, funny enough, years later, I ended up using the same method with Uber and then it worked because that's, I had, I, I knew a little bit more. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the biggest problem. I don't, know, I don't know if that exactly answers what you brought up, but yeah, there's, I don't know, no code vendor lock-in. I feel like it's a, is a real, a real thing. I'd love to hear your input on like, on what your thoughts are on something like that. Cause for me, like I did, I did hit that point where I was like, I was really reconsidering like everything that I was doing with this project. I was like, did I make a mistake by forcing myself to use Squarespace? And now I'm at risk for not even launching this thing because I did so much customization outside the boundaries of the no code platform. Um, I don't know. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Have you ran into that before? Yeah. I mean, yeah, like a big reason why I wanted you to touch on it was because I think this is like the characteristic issue of using a no code tool and pushing it to the limit is you, you hit the limit and then you're like, Oh, I'll just hack around it. And, and it feels clever. It feels fun to do, but then you keep doing that and it takes more time to build the hack than it would if you were to write custom code in, you know, in a code environment, which defeats the purpose of using the no code, right? You're not speeding anything up anymore. And yeah, I mean, this happened to me tons of times. Um, not, not just on Squarespace, but like, I mean, when, when I was starting 60, like we, we were on Squarespace, we did use the developer platform and like create our own custom template. We had a, like a Zapier backend with like, um, acuity scheduling as, uh, as, uh, the, the calendar feature, all of, all of those things, like we, we knew where we were going to push them to the limit and the plan was to move like once they were at the limit, it was really all just like, how do we validate the product and how do we get like another 10% growth next week, another 50% growth next month. Um, so we just thought of it kind of from that perspective and, um, we're trying to like, just get more traction to like get, you know, a good CTO to want to join the team and have it be more proven and get like investment and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it, it does seem scary with like, if you just say, okay, I'm going to be married to Squarespace and I'm going to figure this out. Um, and just to, 
and I think a lot of people in the no code space, um, at least from what I can see, like on Twitter and everything, they, they're kind of taking that path with like, with like, all right, we want to be only on no code and we'll, we'll accept whatever the limits of that are. And, um, and it, it seems to be that they find out the limits a lot, a lot, uh, sooner than they expect, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Well, one thing I was going to add is, you know, I, I almost, I'd love to know the data behind, you know, the, the, the amount of feature requests that users have depending on how far they've pushed the platform. <laughs> cause, cause <laughs> as I, the farther that I pushed Squarespace, the feature requests, uh, it definitely improved on my side where I was constantly reaching out and saying like, Hey, we can't do that thing. Here's five examples of why that would be important. And then, you know, and then this goes back to even when I was working on just client websites where, you know, I would get, you know, I can't do it right now, uh, but I would take note on that client. The next client, same exact thing. You know, oh crap, this is like a yeah. pattern now. And then you get 10 clients who all want the same thing and it's not possible. And then I would just fire off a feature request. Like, hey, can we do this? And it got, it got really out of control. Because I think when I, was, when I was deep down in the square front rabbit hole, uh, I was constantly on the forums asking about things like, hey, how do we do this? What's the best way? Like, this thing doesn't work. Submitting feature requests. And then, of course, like... You know, company like that, I, I'm sure it's it's difficult to take the feedback from one person and decide like, oh yeah, we're gonna add that thing. You know, it's just because yeah. you, you suffer from feature creep. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'd be curious if how many other users experience that. You know, like, do you find yourself so invested and so worried about like scaling that's like, hey, help me out here, like <laughs> Airtable or yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah, totally. Like that's exactly how it was for us on on Bubble. Like, because we um. Cause we were on the Squarespace stack. We planned to migrate off that. And then we were like, all right, what's our, what's our, like, what's our platform that's going to take us, you know, through a few fundraising rounds, like through a few orders of magnitude of levels of growth. And we thought it was, we, we really thought it was going to be bubble in 2016. And, um, it's funny because we're talking about these feature requests. We were requesting, I mean, it was the same thing. It was like tons of features. We were, we were pushing the platform to the limit. Same thing on Zapier. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see just like our file and see like the number of feature requests like per month as as we progress. I mean, I'm sure it was like growing in proportion to our growth rate. Um, and same thing with forum activity. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's just a common trait where like the user who is pushing the limit of the platform is the one that's the most vocal. Um, it makes sense because that's like uncharted territory. And one thing I'd love to see too, because, you know, at the time, like, Actually, it's been how Squarespace is, you know, just as a company, how, how they've been is, you know, they they aren't too vocal or they aren't vocal at all about what they're doing, what they're working on, roadmaps, things like that. And there's also, there was this sense from the community that Squarespace isn't listening to anyone who's really using the platform. So that, that was kind of this whole... Um, you know, few year period where you know Squarespace was growing, and then you know you kind of had this collection of power users. I was one of them as well, where it's like, hey, these are the people that are using you know Squarespace exclusively, uh, pushing it to its limits, and working with a ton of clients uh, to build things. You know, why aren't you taking that feedback more seriously? And the funny thing is now that I've noticed newer companies that are just breaking into the business uh, or the industry overall. Uh, in, in some cases, they're actually giving um, companies, you know, kind of a direct line of communication for feature requests. I've seen this with a couple platforms where they're like, hey, if we'll sign on this, you know, enterprise company, like, 
we'll, we'll build features specifically for you. Just let us know. And then of course, you know, obviously there's some limits on that. Uh, it's a really good idea. I mean, I still think like no code platform companies should invest a lot in the power user community. Uh, I mean, I loved what Shopify did yeah. early on where they just really built a lot of tools, education and things for the, the builders of websites. And I mean, I mean, look, Shopify is what hundred billion dollar company or something now. It's, it's insane. Yeah. They're doing all right. Maybe, maybe it works. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's how it was with like Salesforce too. I mean, Salesforce, uh, I'm pretty sure it's something, uh, it's something like a third of their users that come through, come through because of the professional users. Like someone reaches out to, to this web agency and they're like, Hey, we need to build a, you know, this sort of internal tool or this sort of platform. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to do it on Salesforce. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, I think it's, uh, like in marketplace terms, you call it like supply led traction. I don't think that's what, that's what it's called in this context, like vendor, vendor led traction, partner led traction, maybe. But yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is. A, yeah. I was yeah, gonna say, I, I definitely have seen, that was the behavior that I noticed the most when I was working with Squarespace and things were growing and, and, and it's kind of interesting for anyone who's, who's like fascinated with no code companies. Uh, one of the things that I thought was really cool was this kind of organic nature of how, uh, users of Squarespace would want to tell other users about it very frequently. So like I would get a lot of examples where, you know, this, a big company, like let's say one of my first big clients was uh, DKNY, the fashion brand. And, uh, we ended up building a microsite for uh, a fall, you know, it's like a fall clothing campaign or whatever. And I asked the person who, who reached out to me from the company and she's like, yeah, you know, I just use it for my own website. And I, I thought it was, it's really cool. So it's kind of like, I just told, told my team and we're like, all right, yeah, let's use this thing. Um, which is, you know, at, at first I, I thought it was a little weird because it's DKNY and they have a ton of money and like all these engineers that are working on their, their main website. So I was like, why would they need to hire someone? Funny enough, you know, 10 years later, I, can, I definitely see why, you know, it says resources are always strapped at companies, but that same thing happened so frequently at big companies. I feel like for almost any enterprise company that I've ever worked with or, or you know, startup, the person who, um, uh, you know, there, there was a person at the company who was using Squarespace and then just told their team and was like, hey, let's try this thing, Squarespace. It's kind of cool. And I think that kind of speaks to like the brand that they had, which is like they, they positioned themselves as just this cool company and they had a cool product as well. And it really just kind of created this, uh, I don't know, this kind of natural path to recommend it or, you know, just gave you this like reason yeah. to just like recommend it to everyone. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then in this case, it was like for some, somehow Uber started using Squarespace to launch each of their cities. Right. And then that kind of, is the segue into the next part of part of your story where they called you once they had a thousand Squarespace websites and <laughs> it was out of control. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, and you know, and, and some of the history, you know, like once I got into the company, I, I realized and, and started asking about this cause I was just kind of fascinated, but yeah, someone reached out to me, they came through my website and you know, funny enough, we were just talking about this, you know, this sort of, you, you discover a platform and it looks cool or you use it and you recommend it. Um, so the person at Uber that reached out, she, I think she said she had did the same thing. So she, she discovered Squarespace herself and then she was working at the company, you know, she was an operations person and they had this issue with like, 
you know, Uber's growing massively at the time. This was uh, 2015. So, you know, they're deploying in new cities almost every day, it feels like, like Boston, then Baltimore, then, you know, Albuquerque, whatever. And they had a need to, every time they deployed in a new city, they needed to get content out to riders and drivers in that specific city uh, very quickly so mm-hmm. that they could tell drivers about promotions and things like that. And at the time, early on, you know, you would think Uber was a big company, but they didn't have a really robust website for publishing. You know, it was really kind of a static site that was managed via Git. Um, and, you know, it was an application because you could, you could do some things on it. But largely, it was a, an, an older platform that just wasn't set up for dynamic content or public publishing. Uh, they were building some tools that were doing that, but they, they weren't really like enterprise scale. And it was, it was definitely hard to manage content. So what would happen was, you know, they launch in Baltimore and then the operations person in Baltimore needs to build, get content on a website. Well, what do they do? They randomly go online and they try to find a way to do it. And they register a random website through WordPress, Wix, Weebly, Squarespace, you name it. You know, I I guess at their peak, you know, there was just well over a thousand websites across the entire world all managed on different by different people for different platforms. And, and it was a little bit craziness. So that person uh, who tr- was trying to solve that at the company, you know, she knew this was a problem because it was just like, it was getting really hard to maintain. Um, employees would leave and then you wouldn't have access to the website and you'd have to kind of like recover the password and all that. So uh, she was trying to solve it in a way that made sense for scale. So of course, she knew about Squarespace as well. And she told me she went to Google and typed Squarespace developer. And then I came up and, you know, and she went right on my website, uh, filled out a form. And once I talked to her, it was kind of like, it was pretty clear what the issue was. I mean, she described something similar to what I just described where, you know, it was like tons of websites out of control. They're all off brand. They're all designed a different way. They're all probably, um, you know, not following uh, brand guidelines and legal guidelines and things like that because they're trying to do them quick and quick and easy. Uh, so that led to me, you know, submitting a proposal for how to solve it. And, and our, our way to solve that was to build a kind of a templated system where we would build, you know, one specific website and then, be, and then the team would be able to clone it, you know, numerous times. And then every single website would be on brand and all managed by a single code base. And, and, and that's what we did. So I ended up uh, getting the gig and I started working with them contract uh, on contract. And I think that was in, like 2014 or 15 or so. And it was really good. It, it was, it ended up being just such a massive project for me at the time. And it, and it probably went over the course of a year or so. And we scaled it up to almost over 200 websites just from my system. But the, the real issue was all of this other stuff that was still living out there that other teams were managing. Some of these teams had no idea this new, this new solution existed. So there was another problem, which was, you know, what's you the say- next... When you say new solution, so like, so you, so you built out like a custom, a custom template and then started like decommissioning each site with their independent instance and then like rebuilding it in your custom template. Is that kind of how that worked? Sort of, I guess, you know, like technically like what it was, was, you know, we, we used a feature in Squarespace that allows you to create a template similar to how Squarespace's template system works right now, where if you go to Squarespace templates, you know, you can see an actual template and you can clone a site off of that. And Squarespace manages, you know, every customer's template all over the world through a single code base, through a single template. So they let us use that feature uh, for Uber. 
And that allowed me to create one code base, one template that we cloned numerous times for new cities. But what happened was when you're at a huge company like Uber, where, you know, there's just employees all over the world and, you know, and things are is still new at the time. I mean, 2015, the company's still super young. Uh, you know, it's what, maybe five or six years old at the time. And yeah. there, you know, there's operations people in Brazil that don't know that this new solution exists. So they're continuing to just do their own thing in, in their individual cities. So that's why my job wasn't to migrate anything at the time. My job at the time was building the new solution that was supposed to solve this. And it just kind of like, it, it let them scale new cities. And then, yeah, some cities would, you know, come in and, and maybe um, start using the new platform that, you know, that I built, but they weren't really like addressing the, the, the sites, you know, they were kind of just like, it, it would be all different depending on the city, but they, they would just kind of like leave that site going and then just build a new one. And then now they're on the new platform, but you know, there's still this site that's kind of sitting out there. Uh, and that happened, you know, quite, quite frequently. So what ended up, what that all led to was what's the next solution. You know, the thing that we're building is great and all that, but it's built on Squarespace. And now we have to do more than, than Squarespace can handle. And, you know, and I know this because I was getting feature requests from them for a year for things. And we were already at the, at the limit to what you can do with Squarespace. I mean, I really, you know, going back to the issues with Squarefront and really trying to push that above, above and beyond what it can do. I tried to do the same thing for Uber and it was, it was even more concerning because now it's such a huge product for this huge company Uber that like, man, like, you know, I really need features. So like literally like I was even uh, submitting more feature requests to, to, um, to Squarespace. I was like, Hey, like, you know, here's my issue. Here, here's, here's one of the things I have, like, can we build this? Here's why this is Uber. You know, I was trying to kind of use the yeah, cloud yeah, yeah. Of, of being with a, like a big project. And uh, it was kind of the same old thing. It was just like very slow incremental progress for like new features. And you're just kind yeah. of limited. It, it is what it is and you have to work within it. So ultimately what happened was, you know, Uber wanted to do all these new things, you know, with integrating data and integrating services and you really couldn't do a lot. And it was just too basic uh, and not to mention all just the pitfalls of the platform when you're trying to do things at this scale. You know, Squarespace, you know, their current platform is not set up for an enterprise environment right now. I mean, when you're talking about access permissions, using single sign-on for a company and, you know, what can the, the publishers access when they're in the Squarespace site? You know, how do you sync content across multiple sites? You know, I was doing some clever things with Firebase to do that. Ultimately, it just created a lot of... I don't know. It's almost like high risk uh, code because you're just trying mm -hmm. to really push it too far, and then you know it, it's it's close to breaking. And 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 that happened a couple times where like Squarespace would drop a feature, it would change a CSS class, and it would break 200 sites in one go. And then you're like, oh, yeah, okay. like now I got to fix that. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember that happened all the time. So how did you manage? So, so you had like hundreds of you had 200 sites under your new solution. Then you said like a new city would launch, and it would just be a little chaotic where like they may build it under your solution or they may not. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was, like, you know, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I was going to say like, how did you manage that just from like, like a stakeholder management perspective, like coordinating with the new teams and just, just navigating the people side of like, like your, your goal was to make it. So everything was under one, one template, right? Like unify all of the public facing brands. Um, on the Squarespace sites, right? 
Yeah, yeah. At, at the time, you know, when, when I was working on the platform, you know, my job was to build the platform and, and my stakeholders were, you know, pretty much like the brand team who was, you know, helping, you know, um, I was working with on design, the ops team who was working on like features, content and things like that. Um, I wasn't interfacing with any engineers aside from just some basic things regarding domain names, because largely this is Squarespace, you know, and I was the developer and the designer on it. And I didn't, I didn't really need an engineering team at Uber. So um, yeah, my stakeholders were actually pretty small. What ended up happening was that expanded a little bit as more cities got on because then I was just kind of fielding questions from operations people all over the world, like users of the platform. So then my, mm-hmm. my stakeholder um, you know, share started increasing for users. And then I actually was supporting users, brand, and then ops. And, you know, and, and, and there wasn't any issues with that. Basically, I was just uh, helping them with new features. I was, you know, responding to their requests. I was coordinating with design and all that to build some of these new features. Uh, but what ended up happening was going back to your question about the huge amount of websites that were not on this platform. That's really what led to me uh, getting hired at the company. So yeah. we were building something cool, you know, and it was, it was running, uh, it was a little bit limited. We had already maxed it out, but we were still getting teams on boarded because it was still a better solution than to build your own website because it was on brand and, you know, and, and at least I was supporting it. All these other, you know, thousand plus websites were just being built by random people and there's no control, no centralized control to any of it. So they had, uh, basically just kind of notified me that like, all right, we're working on uh, or think, thinking about the next iteration of this, like a real enterprise publishing platform that would eventually solve all the use cases, be you know, be built into the main website at the company, and not this kind of side, you know, Squarespace project. And and then they kind of made an offer for me to come to San Francisco and help them do that. So you know, immediately, like when they told me that, I was like, I was I was down. I actually just I moved straight out of New York um, to go to San Francisco because it came up pretty fast. So I, I was like. You know, by that time, I was I was working on the Uber project, and then Squarefront was still kind of going on, and it was just super tough because the Squarefront thing didn't launch, and then um, you know my time was just being killed by trying to to launch Squarefront, where I wasn't doing any client work aside from Uber and maybe like one or two others, and uh, and my money just went south. So I ended up planning to yeah, move yeah. out of New York and all that. And funny enough, you know, right when I made that decision. Uber sent me, you know, just notified me about this offer to like, Hey, do you want to come to San Francisco and work with us? And I was just like, definitely like, uh, yes, <laughs> like no question at all. Like, like I need money. Yeah. No, I didn't say that. But like at the time it was like, it was, it was a good <laughs> opportunity where, um, I moved out to San Francisco and once I got inside, it was, it was super cool. You know, like I understood the issue and then that's when I started working with the global website team, the global platform team, uh, and the, the content management team to kind of you know, help build the new solution that was going to replace all the Squarespace stuff. But my core job there was still supporting the Squarespace platform and then also migrating all of the other stuff into the Squarespace platform. So uh, that's when I started reaching out. And then, you know, my, uh, my job was to really kind of you know, meet every single one of those operations people, you know, gain access to the website, you know, help, help migrate, shut it down and all that. And, uh, and that was a ton of work. And that's really what that caused me to, to get hired there because it was such a huge amount of work and it took a lot of time to do, but ultimately like, you know, one by one, we just, you know, 
we shut the site down. We, we, we migrated when we could, if we couldn't migrate it due to some like fancy feature that they're using in their, you know, Weebly or Wix website that Squarespace doesn't have, we would figure out a solution, you know, get that, uh, get that into Squarespace and then help that team migrate. Uh, and, and the reason we were trying to migrate everything into the Squarespace template was because I was building the, or helping build the migration path from Squarespace into the new, the new product, the enterprise product. And it would just be far too difficult to try to build a migration path for all this random stuff into the the enterprise platform. So it was kind of like, all right, well, let's do the smart thing is let's get everything into the Squarespace platform because literally right now it's a way better solution. And the enterprise product is not, not close to being finished yet. Uh, so that was a lot of my work was migrating into our platform. You know, I was building tools like, uh, you know, it's like DNS tools to manage like redirects and things like that. Um, I was building things that would help them uh, unify analytics across all these properties. So, you know, there was a lot of kind of work uh, that was a part of that, but ultimately it was, you know, it was a huge success and it ended up you know, getting me hired. So that was, that was cool. Um, awesome. Yeah, so people, kind of fun people were using like Weebly sites and Wix sites and even just like basically anything that they could throw up really fast and, and get online. And then, then you had to deal with it at that point. Yeah. I mean, we, when prior to me joining in San Francisco, so when I was building uh, the platform, the Squarespace platform, nothing really changed. You know, the, these teams were just building on whatever platforms they wanted because there wasn't another solution until yeah. the Squarespace solution that I built. So yeah. So they would just randomly go to whatever preference they had. It was like, so there was a combination you know, once I, once I got into the company, I, uh, I cataloged everything and then I was tagging like, what's the platform? Where's it hosted? What's the domain? And basically like, I, I don't remember the data now, but my data breakdown, it was like largely Squarespace, a lot of Weebly, you know, a fair amount of Wix and then a lot of kind of random things or, or whatever. Mm. So yeah, it was, it was kind of all over the map. And then I had to develop a kind of a migration plan or strategy for each of the platforms to get it into the Squarespace template. And then once we got into the Squarespace template, like I said, then, then we could, you know, migrate it out. Um, but yeah, it was, man, it was, it was a lot. I mean, like we, we had to scrape, you know, traffic logs to try to find, you know, redirects from, uh, incoming traffic to uber.com. And then that would help us track down these websites. Cause in many cases we just didn't know they existed. So we had to, there's just tons of undocumented stuff out there that you just had to track down. Yeah. And, and, and part of, you know, part of my job too was like, you said so many cities in Uber, you're like, Oh, there's like a few dozen cities that we just forgot about. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the funny thing too, is a lot of these platforms aren't super flexible to do, you know, what they, what they exactly they need. So in in some cases they had two or three or four websites per city, you know, all, all to do different things or because they didn't, they didn't really have guidance on like how to build a website or they didn't really, you know, some of them didn't understand content strategy or SEO. So they would build like a website specifically for riders, specifically for drivers, you know, specifically for incentives. And they didn't know any better, you know, or you had different people managing those in the same city. So I think it, yeah, it created a little bit of a mess, but you know, the funny thing was, I mean, that's what, you know, part of when I got there, the first thing was, you know, I kind of helped write the policy on like, all right, here's how we manage domains. Here's how we manage websites. Here's how like, so it's basically kind of like helping push the policy forward about like, here's how this new platform works. And then of course I was getting a lot of help from the operations people to help kind of create a centralized policy where it was like, Hey, random person in a city, you know, new employee, 
do not build a website. We have a website pl- uh, solution for you. Use this. Mm-hmm. And, and, we, and it's just, you know, it's, it's hard to do at a big company, especially a company that's growing really fast. Uh, but ultimately like it worked out and that's, that was our goal. That's awesome. It worked out well. Yeah. It seems incredibly challenging to just be growing that fast. And then also you'd be able to unify all of the web efforts like that, where it, from what I know, it's like the culture at Uber was like, just do whatever you have to, to grow. In the case of like you joining and creating the policy, it sounds like it's like, okay, we need to make a little bit of a cultural shift, say everything you can do to grow, except for like use this web platform if you need to build a website and like kind of ratchet up the constraints a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, and it probably, you know, there's a lot of things obviously that are a lot of things in the culture where, you know, there's a lot of builders, I guess that, you know, would call like builders building things. And in many cases, like, you know, most people wanted to build a solution that, you know, was pretty awesome. And we had an awesome solution. There was just an issue with discoverability. You know, it's like, they just didn't know it existed and we had to make sure that they knew. And that, you know, and of course, when you're a global company like Uber and you're in all these different cities, it's really hard to just like, to know what every single city is doing. You know, some of them, you know, they may hire a new, uh, employee and, you know, uh, uh, Mexico or Brazil, and they might have their own guidelines or policies and they just completely never even see the global website policy or the global website, you know, tool list that's in, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, Jira or not Jira, um, was it the documentation or whatever? So, yeah, so it's, I don't know. It, it, it definitely, it took a lot of time, but eventually we got there. And then the funny thing is we did it all again when we migrated Squarespace uh, into the enterprise platform. And it was the same issue because then we had, you know, the problem, which was people were creating new Squarespace sites while the new solution was being launched or whatever. That was much easier to control because we could, we just pulled permissions and things like that. But um, yeah, it was, it ultimately, it was a huge migration effort to then get into the main publishing enterprise CMS uh, and then once they got into there, then that's where things have gotten, you know, really good. Um, yeah. So how many people, so how many people were on the team helping you do these migrations? Like, were you, were you leading the whole thing or did you have like other engineers and other ops people that you teamed up with? Like, what did that look like towards the end of it? Yeah. So for, for the Squarespace platform, uh, I was doing, I was, I, you know, considered myself the, the UX lead. So anything design development, uh, was all me. And, and I was the only one who would probably knew how to work on Squarespace at the company there. Like we, we wouldn't have just yeah. a random person doing anything, but I was coordinating for design with the brand team. And then for content, that was the ops team. So the content that's actually on the website you know, I basically gave them the training on how to set it up and, you know, and, and how to manage that. And I did a lot of the training to scale that. So I didn't have to touch anything with content. I just offered, you know, expertise in terms of design. Like if they, you know, had an image that was, you know, a, a weird aspect ratio or something like that. Um, so yeah, it's, I can't really put a number on it. It's, it's because this was a global platform, you know, I always say it was, it was well over 200 websites. So yeah. the amount of users was probably, you know, two to 400 in terms of who's managing it. Um, I wasn't mm-hmm. working with them always directly, but I was doing a lot of, you know, one-on-one over, you know, we had hit hip chat at the time before Slack Got it. and, um, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it's pretty good effort. I think when we, when we 
migrated Squarespace into the enterprise platform, obviously that was not all me because then that, then we were working with an engineering team and a lot of my work was actually helping migrate into uh, Squarespace. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like we had to migrate every single thing, you know, uh, from that platform into the enterprise CMS because we also rethought the content. So of course there was a lot of like content people that were working on the new platform. Um, there was a lot of ops people working in that specifically my work was doing a lot with DNS redirects. You know, how do we take mm-hmm. all of this SEO, uh, juice that we've built up over the last couple of years and how do we sort of funnel that into the right places? So a lot of the mm-hmm. tools that I was creating and that was all me was, you know, it's more like DNS migration tools, um, you know, ways to basically, you know, work with a team and say like, okay, here's the old pages, uh, which, you know, what are the new pages that this content's going to go to? And then of course, writing scripts that would sort of automate that across, you know, 500 cities at the time or whatever. How long's the process from like when you, when they tapped you, assuming that was the point at which they were like, all right, we need to start kind of migrating, getting things under control. And the time they talked to you at first to the time when all of the websites were under like, say the enterprise platform. Um, Cause I, I actually, before I even asked that there, they never ended up all being under Squarespace, right? It sounds like there was the transition period. Never. It was never fully where every website was under Squarespace. It was like a continuous effort to try to get more of them under Squarespace. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's all in the timing too. So I, I think, with with a company like that, you know they're they were constantly growing and, and deploying in new cities. Yeah, yeah. So you can't really like we had, the company. I don't want to say we as in like I did, but like the the ops people had to make trade offs on like okay, this new city is coming alive in two months. You know, do we put it on the Squarespace and then have to migrate it again, or do we just wait and not mm-hmm. launch it and wait and go straight to the the enterprise tool when that when when that's ready? So that yeah, there was a little bit of a trade off there. I guess to answer your question in terms of timing. You know, when I first worked with them in 2014, I think the issue was, you know, no enterprise solution and, uh, you know, no templated scalable solution really in place. It was kind of like the, mm, the problem was yeah. spreading. So once we built the platform, and it, it probably took six months or so to get to the, the V1. And once the V1 launched, we got some cities on it. It was good. And then we started expanding out and and we did like a slow rollout in just certain, certain countries. But I'd say like maybe 2015 is really when the platform was like running and it was now the effort was let's start the migrations and get people into Squarespace. But even, Mm -hmm. like I said, even when we started that, so many cities didn't know it existed. So they were continuing and, and the, the sort of the plague was still spreading uh, internally yeah. with these like additional websites. And the other problem was there was things that would never work on Squarespace. So in, in many cases, they were building things that had just features that were above and beyond what you could possibly do. So they had to stay. So we had kind of a portfolio of websites that didn't work on Squarespace. And in fact, they, they didn't work on the enterprise solution for a long time until we got there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty long process. I think when, when I look at my portfolio in terms of like the timing, you know, it's something like, I want to say it was like two to three years to go from like the Squarespace stuff to an enterprise solution. Uh, that's that's about right. It's kind of what I expected. A lot of people are like, Oh yeah. So when you hit the limit, you can just, when you hit the limit of scale on no code, you can just migrate to code. No big deal. And it's like, it takes a while. <laughs> two, two to three years for Uber, which is like, you know, the 
like top startup in the world at the time. Well, also too, when you, when you're coding stuff, you know, like when the V1 of, of the enterprise platform didn't entirely, you know, support every single thing that we needed. So that was, yeah. you know, and that yeah. like any product, then, then you have to iterate on that over time. So it's like, even you can do the best job scoping and like, you know, building the custom solution. And then even when you launch it, you don't know till you launch it, whether it's going to really, you know, scale you know, again, like for, for the new effort. So, you know, we did all this work beforehand. We, we launched, a um, you know, it's like dozens or even hundreds of, of, of the, uh, you know, migrations or whatever. And then even there it was like, Oh man, there's like a lot of things we still have to build. And then it took a while before we could get a lot of these other cities, uh, on board and really refine the pot product. So when I say three years, I'd say it was like three years total just mm-hmm. to really get it to a point where we migrated, you know, let's say 90%, you know, of, of the websites. Um, but even up until, you know, I, I got out of Uber, you know, just, you know, this year, you know, there's still websites that aren't in the platform just for random reasons. So it was a very really? long process to like, to really get everything. Wow. So technically you're, you're not at a hundred percent yet. You're at like 99.5. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. I mean, we were, we were close, but I mean, Uber also, you know, they started building, you know, really different, um, businesses, you know, on the platform where the main product just didn't support that. So that's why when you see like uber.com is the main website, there's uberfreight.com, there's ubereats.com. And there's like a couple of these other, other, uh, other things, um, and trying to figure out how you sort of wrangle all that, you know, or even with like the jump acquisition, you know, jump was on its own website. It's its own business. Uh, jump has jump.com and they're doing a lot of features. You know, it's, it's hard to just kind of say, all right, well, let's just move it into an internal product. Usually there's a time period where you really have to kind of figure things out. Um, that was true for like, you know, corner shop was an acquisition of a grocery, uh, grocery startup, you know, in, in Latam somewhere. Can't even remember where, um, Postmates is now on the radar for Uber to be acquiring. Postmates has their own entire system. So, yeah, I mean, I think definitely you have to, yeah, it's definitely a case by case thing in terms of migrating yeah. and moving things into into a product. Yeah, yeah. So if you were so if you were at Uber and you were like maybe 2013, 2014, a leader there, um, would you do anything differently to like help plan for the migration and say like, hey guys, we should if we if we do this one thing a little bit more intelligently, it'll save a lot of time and money down the road and not cost much now. Is there anything you'd like say to the ops teams, or would you, or do you think it would be best for them to just like still have free reign, build however they need to build, and just you know grow, just focus on growth simply with um, you know unimpeded by by process? Like, what would you do in that situation? Man, yeah, that's interesting because I, I think there's always there's always a trade off. You know, you could say on one hand, you know, let's just put a firm foot down, like no websites, you know, no other websites or whatever. And it's funny, you know, I'm, I'm saying this because like this was a decision like later on where we really did have to put the foot down, and and that causes you know projects to not being able to launch or like ideas that teams and cities have, you know, not being able to, to be executed. Uh, because of a restriction or a policy. So I don't know. It's, it's really hard. I mean, I think one of the things that I would have loved to see was a better job of really, you know, getting the platform that we built, like the Squarespace platform, for instance, making sure that every new hire knew that thing existed. So like basically having a real web policy that was like almost part of 
uh, new employee onboarding, you know, and, and it's kind of in there, but it's just, it, you know, it, there's so many things when you're joining a company that you're not going to really digest every single part of it. But I think like that there should have been a little bit more governance to prevent teams from doing something outside of the, of the solution. And I think what that would have caused is more people to use the Squarespace platform and it would have just saved a lot of, you know, unnecessary work happening, uh, in other areas. That's probably the one that, that sticks out the most, but but yeah, it's, that's a tough one. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's just, just letting people know what you're doing once you're doing it and, and the new platforms out. Yeah. And that's part of what I, you know, even when my work, when, when I moved on from the web platform and I, I just uh, joined the design platform, you know, one of the key parts of it is discover discoverability for like whatever it is yeah. that you're building. If it's a system or a platform or features, like it's part of the reason why I think I was so passionate about Squarefront. It's because it was all about helping people discover the things that you can do, what you can build, you know, discovering tools and all that. Still super passionate about that. I, I think discoverability is just huge. Yeah, that makes sense. So similar question in regards to Squarefront. If you were to go back and like advise yourself on what to do when you started building Squarefront, what would you tell yourself? Started? Yeah, that's, man. I, you know, it's funny. I, I probably asked myself this so many times, you know, trying to figure this out myself. You know, like, and it, I think it speaks to, you know, this whole issue with, with no code. And I got this question on, a, uh, on another podcast I did, which was, you know, like what, you know, do, should you put all your eggs in one basket? Like if you're building a tool or like, let's say your favorite tool is Airtable or something like that. Like, should you just invest in, in all your time into building this thing out on, on Airtable? Should you try other solutions, you know, or whatever. And I think like, yeah, for Squarespace, I, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I, I didn't stick so much to this, like this notion of wanting to uh, have to build it on Squarespace. Like I should have told mm -hmm. myself, it doesn't really matter. You know, like no one really cares. And most of the people using the site probably don't care that it's actually Squarespace, you know, like, so you don't have to <laughs> yeah, use yeah, it yeah. for some emotional brand connection, you know, or, or something like that. It really doesn't matter at all. And I, I would have just said like, you know, try it on a, you know, put it on WordPress or put it on teachable or something like that. And, mm -hmm. uh, man, yeah, that's probably one of my biggest, one of my biggest regrets there was, was not doing it. But funny enough, that's what that's what led to the work that I'm doing now. Where I'm trying to kind of build my own platform. Uh, in this, yeah, you know, and it, it came out of all that frustration. So, you know, yeah, it's always interesting how it's always interesting how like like I also feel like some of the some of the things that were harder, like like a, a constraint that I had that I went through, um, a challenge, like set the set the stage for like a new a new thing that I'm doing today, like most notably like with 60 us having to pivot and then like go back to the drawing board prototype on no code. And we're like, all right, we know this thing isn't going to scale. What do we do to like, to, to like use our skills to be able to prototype really fastly and then, then migrate. It's like that ended up coincidentally being something that now a lot of people are having to deal with. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it definitely wasn't making, definitely wasn't making me any money at the time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. I'm trying to actually figure it out. Cause I, I think like when I try to analyze that decision, I'm trying to think really like it, part of it is the emotional connection to the brand really wanted me to use it, but also, you know, Squarespace yeah. is just easier to use. 
So like in my mind, I'm like, I also, I kind of thought about the user, the user experience for me and then anyone that would be a part of my team, which is, you know, Hey, if I use Squarespace and I can do it, this is going to be just such a great experience, uh, you know, moving forward. And it's going to save a ton of time versus, you know, build it on the more flexible solution. And then the experience probably isn't going to be that great. I mean, it might be, you know, okay, but it's, it's going to be, there's going to be a problem there. Uh, I don't know if, I don't know if that's uh, something that, you know, other platforms kind of suffer from or, or or people maybe suffer from, which is, you know, making kind of trade-offs based on like, I want to use this tool because it's really cool instead of using this, you know, crappier tool or, you know, this, this more flexible tool that has like a crappier, you know, you, you, uh, user experience or something like that. Not sure if anyone really goes through that, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you just knew, it sounds like you knew how to use Squarespace really well and using something else, you'd have to like go through a learning curve and all, all that kind of thing. Um, yeah. yeah, it means that, that piece makes sense to me. Um, I've, yeah, I've, I've been there as well. But the last question that I have for you is, uh, if you could wave a magic wand and get uh, any feature improvement on a no-code tool, what would it be? And this actually seems perfect, con- considering you were like the king of feature requests for Squarespace. So... <laughs> Interesting. So, so would my feature request have been, does it have to be for Squarespace or could this be for any? No, no. And any no code tool, your dream feature request. Oh man. This is like such a hard question because I think like there's so many good tools that I, man, that's, that's tough. I mean, I, I would probably say it, it's got to go back to Squarespace. Like if I could wave my wand because I tried to wave the like an invisible wand numerous times or just like, man, yeah. I wish this could exist. And like the, the top thing that didn't exist on Squarespace for the longest time is uh, the membership feature. Like I, mm. I really wanted that to exist for so long because... And that's not to say like membership features didn't exist elsewhere. Of course, there's, you know, the teachables and, you know, all the embeddable solutions uh, that are being built, member space and all that stuff, you know, and that's all great. But I think at the time that became my top feature request from clients, you know, selling something that someone can subscribe to. And then of course, Squarefront, that's like the whole business was built around membership driven content. And that's really what killed the business. So by far... Mm. It would be, you know, solid membership solutions. And funny enough, here we are mid 2020 and there's no membership feature in Squarespace still. Still not there. <laughs> I wish I'm trying to wave the wands. It's like, it's got to exist sometime soon. Yeah. Yeah. They've managed to grow a pretty good amount since, since then and still not had it. Right. They're like almost up to 2000 employees now, I think. Yeah. It's, I, I, it's interesting. Like, I, I don't, I don't know how you're observing the no code space, but like, one of the things I, I'm definitely seeing now is just overlap between products. Like so many products are similar. You know, like I started using uh, Notion, you know, like last year or so. I can't even remember. And it's such a great product. And then of course, Coda came up and at Uber, Uber's using Coda. I was like, man, this is really cool as well. Um, very similar. And then of course, you have, you know, G Sheets. I wouldn't really compare that to Notion. But there's like all this overlap between products and kind of having a hard time trying to figure out what, you know, what you should sort of commit to. And, I, and personally I pick on brand and, and I think design uh, influences that a little bit. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Like, how do you decide if there's tools that are very similar, which one you're actually going to go to? Yeah. I mean, I think that's like, that, that question could be answered so many ways. I mean, one thing I think about right now is like, um, since I joined Lambda school, I was 
it's kind of out of the no code game as far as like building new products on no code for like over a year. And I came out and then I was like, whoa, there's like five different Zapiers. Now there's like, like more, I think there were like eight, eight to 10 other companies that were like very similar to Zapier. And I was like, all right, so what's the difference between all these? And, um, I mean, there's a lot of feature overlap and, um, I mean, I, I was looking at the key differentiators and it was like the key differentiators for me were like, some of them do loops. They can do like a looping logic where, um, you know, you're, you're repeating the same, same logic on, on top of like an array data set. Um, Zapier doesn't do it that well. So I'm like, all right, that's, that's one differentiator. But at the end of the day, like, it's like, I want to build something as fast and simply as possible. And for a lot of things, unless it's like something I'm going to be building a foundation on top of continuously, like I would just come back to Zapier because I know it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that's there, but I mean, yeah, the other, the other reasons why people pick tools, it's like, yeah, I mean, what does everyone else on your team want to use? Are they going to have to be trained in it? What's the cost? How does it like scale from a foundational standpoint? Um, yeah, I mean that there's 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 so many. I mean, Notion's been awesome though. I just just moved from uh, Evernote to Notion, and it's like I feel like I'm upgraded as a human now because of it. It's like so much more organized. <laughs> it's man, it's a really good product for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's well, cool. Great. I mean, that's interesting. I don't I don't know. It's yeah. It's 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 like so many different products kind of competing, and like even even with Notion, like it's just it does so much and it's really nice. And even if it doesn't support one thing, it's hard for me to leave like platforms that I kind of like, I don't know, I get some sort of connection to where it's, it's just, man, I'm going to continue using that. I'll just wait for the feature. You know, obviously if it's going to be super yeah. useful and people want it, it'll come soon, you know, but also that, that might be the downfall of me. Cause that's what happened with Squarespace. Yeah. It's a tricky, it's a tricky uh, decision-making process for sure. Well, thanks for coming on and um and talking about Squarefront and your experience with Squarespace and migrating. This is um awesome, awesome to hear uh, Uber, like you know, one of the most successful companies, uh, startup companies ever, doing a no code to code migration. And um, yeah, you're one of the few people that could tell that story. <laughs> nice man. No, thanks for having me. This is super cool podcast. Uh, you know, really cool stuff. I think no code space is just blowing up. So it's it's awesome that you're gonna doing a lot of content around this. But yeah, no, happy to do it. Love to chat again sometime too. Definitely, definitely. We'll have to do a follow-up. See ya. Cool, man. Later. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll include links to any of the tools that we spoke about here in the show notes. To keep up with the No Code and Code conversation, you can follow me on Twitter at at underscore David Head. That's at underscore D-A-V-I-D-H-E-A-D. This podcast was created by my company Bridge and Content Allies. I want to tell you a little bit about Bridge for a moment. I created Bridge because I don't want to see any more companies stop growing because their no-code tools stop scaling. I personally scaled a lot of these tools to the limit and migrated to code many times over. At the Y Combinator-backed startup that I founded and other teams that I've been a part of, advised, and interviewed. I want to help share the insights that I've learned over the last few years with you now. To do this, my team and I at Bridge have created a free assessment for you to get personalized insights on when your stack will stop scaling and an action plan on what to do to migrate including strategies for success, pitfalls to avoid, and new tools to use. To be clear, we're not sending you a blog post or anything. This is specific insights tailored to your exact stack, your company details, and how much traction you have. 
So if you're growing on no-code, I highly recommend taking this to get ahead of the curve. You can take the free assessment at www.bridge.so scale. That's www.bridge.so S-C-A-L-E. So why is the assessment free? It's free because it helps us give back to the community, but it also helps us know which other pieces of content that we need to create. In addition to which other products, services, and features need to exist to make this no-code movement more successful. So I'll also be selecting 10 out of the first 100 submissions to set up one-on-one calls with, where you can ask me any questions that you want about how to be more successful with no-code tools. Again, the URL for the assessment is www.bridge.so scale. That's www.bridge.so S-C-A-L-E. And before we head out, I want to give another shout out to Content Allies for helping us launch this podcast. Content Allies turn CEOs into thought leaders through content marketing. They interview you via video and then turn that interview into video clips, articles, podcasts, and social posts. They're the team that powers all the content that we do here at Bridge and this podcast that you're listening to. You can learn more and reach out to them at contentallies.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-T-A-L-L-I-E-S dot com.